Hey there, welcome to Made New Ministries podcast with Sharon McFadden. Thanks for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome back to Made New Ministry podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by and visiting with me today. And uh, pull up a chair on your front porch if you can, or stick in your ear pods and go for a walk and take me along with you because I have a great story I want to tell you today. And um, as you may have seen on Instagram, I called it the greatest love story ever told. And this is about the greatest love story ever told. But it starts back when I was a little girl. So just bear with me a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of background information here because, because God is in it all. So when I was a little girl and a little girl and a teenager and everything, I was, I just loved the whole idea of love. Um, I just, I, I, I dreamed about love and I read about love and I wrote poems about love and I, and I read poems about love. Now, one of my favorite poems I ever wrote, I guess, it's the only one I remember, quite frankly, that I wrote in my little notebook that I kept hidden, of course, from anybody, but was a poem that I wrote and it went like this. A heart is not a plaything. A heart is not a toy. But if you want it broken, just give it to a boy. <laughs> because I had quite a few broken hearts when I was a teenager. Um, I had a big crush on a, a boy in high school who who kind of cared for me, kind of didn't. <laughs> when it was convenient, he did. Uh, when it wasn't convenient, he didn't. But anyway, um, I had quite a few broken hearts. And so, but I was still knew that there was more to love than that. And so often I would go to the Hallmark store and I would find a poem about love that I thought was the greatest thing ever and that it was the kind of love that I wanted to find. Now, to me, it was just a poem on a card, and this is what it said. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Well, this was the definition of love for me. I wanted to find this type of love that would be patient and kind, that wouldn't be rude or proud, that wouldn't be self-seeking, a love that I could trust always and that would never fail me. And so I collected every card I could find that had this very special poem on it. In fact, before I went to college, I found it on a, a little wall plaque that I could take with me to college because I thought that this was the type of love that I would find in the perfect guy, right? That this type of love would be expressed through the most perfect guy. When I saw it, when I experienced it, that would be the man for me because this was my definition of love from that point forward. I wanted to follow my special poem uh, to find love. And so I took it to college with me and I went to UNC Wilmington. Woohoo! Go Seahawks! I uh, love UNC Wilmington, of course. Who wouldn't? It's 10 minutes from the beach, and it's a beautiful campus. I absolutely loved it. But I went not knowing a soul. Most of the kids from my high school went to UNC Charlotte or went to Appalachian. 
just different schools. But I was the only one who, from my school that I knew of, that went to UNC Wilmington that year. So I went not knowing a soul and had to meet new people, which was a good thing. It was exciting. And so my freshman year, which was in 1985, uh, you can do the math, but went to um, see how old I am at this point. But anyway, in 1985, so I was a freshman at UNC Wilmington and in about in the fall, uh, they began the basketball season. And I was so excited to go as a college student to my first college basketball game. And so I went that night with a friend. We got all cuted up, you know, we got our, we had our cute mini skirts and uh, sweaters on. We had our hair all poofed up and everything. <laughs> it was the eighties. And uh, we were just looking real cute. And we went to the basketball game. And as you walked in to Trask Coliseum, they handed you a roster of the basketball players so that you would know their name and their, and their number that was on their jerseys and their, their uniforms. And so we went to the student section. We were so excited. We were filing college students and we were sitting in the student section and watching a college basketball game. Well, because I had this cute little mini skirt on, I didn't have any pockets that I could fit my key in um, or the little roster, the roster thing that they had given us with the player's name. So I sat them on the bleacher right beside me. Um, and we began watching the game. Well, before long, of course, it all filled up and a group of guys came in and they sat behind us. They were students as well, of course. And as we began watching the game, one of the boys in that group of guys um, said, excuse me, I hate to bother you, but could you tell me the name of player number 16 that has jersey 16 on it? And so I looked at the roster and I told him, and he said, thanks, thanks a lot. I was like, sure, no problem. A few minutes later, he asked me, hey, I hate to bother you again, but what's player number 23? And so I'd look at the roster and I would tell him. And then finally, he was so sweet. He was like, I'm sorry to keep bothering you. Do you mind if I look at your roster? I didn't get one when I came in. I was like, sure, of course, you can have it, no problem. I didn't really care. I wasn't really looking at it, but I, I gave it to him. And a few minutes later, not too much long after that, my friend was tired and she was ready to go. I didn't really want to go, but she did. And so uh, we left together and... Um, I left without knowing who the boy was and he didn't ask me who I was, but, um, I left Trask Coliseum that night and, um, this was in October of 1985, freshman year. And, um, I'd really kind of struggled that semester with being in college. I don't know if you did or not that first semester of your freshman year, just, um, making that transition from high school to college, being away from home for the first time. Um, it was a struggle and academically it was a struggle. I didn't really feel like I was that prepared for college. It was a totally different level of studying than I ever, than I had ever had in high school. And I had been a decent student in high school, but this was, this now took an extra level of study and preparation and it had been difficult. And so I had called my mom several times um, throughout the semester crying. I wasn't going to make it. I was sad. And all of this stuff. And my mom was so sweet and she would just encourage me and tell me just to hang in there and try to make it till Christmas break. And then we would talk about it and see what I wanted to do. So of course I did. I had a lot of great moments that first semester, but I also had some struggles. And so I went home for Christmas break and I, I did better than I thought I would do. And I realized real quickly that yes, I wanted to go back to UNCW. And I'm so glad that I did because when I went back in January, uh, I had a new set of classes, and one of the classes I had to take was PE 101. I don't think they do that anymore, but you still have to, but I had to take PE 101, and um, 
it was a required class. And for this particular PE class that everybody had to take, uh, you had to run two miles for your final grade. Well, I had never ran in my life, but it was something, it was a requirement and I knew we were going to have to do it. So I went to class that first day and it was a lot of kids there because what was going to happen was there was a lot of us there, but they were going to divide us out into three groups and there would be three different classes. But we first met up as one big group. And so I went in, I scanned the room, you know, as you do, to see if I knew anybody at all that I could sit with, didn't know anybody sat down at a desk and just kind of fiddled with my papers until the teacher was ready to start. Um, but before the teacher could start, I was sitting there and this young man walked in and he, as he walked past me, he said, Hey, Sharon, how are you? I was like, Oh, Hey, how are you? And he was like, great. Good to see you. I was like, good to see you. He walked on past me and went and sat down about three or four seats behind me. I had no idea who this guy was. I had no idea. I was like, oh my goodness, who is it? Where did I meet him? Uh, what's his name? I don't, you know, I just, I don't remember meeting him. And so uh, a few minutes later, he, he leaned over and he said, hey, Sharon. And I looked back there and I said, yeah. He said, what group are you in for PE? I was like, oh, let's see here. I'm in group two. And he looked at his paper. He said, oh, me too. Great. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> and I turned back around. I was like, oh my goodness, who is this guy? Who is this guy? So once they divided us into our groups, um, this young man began talking to me and to other people. And, and he said, hey, would anybody uh, like to meet up here at Trice Coliseum and, and, and start running together? It was January, so it was cold and rainy. And so we were going to meet. He was proposing that we meet up at the gym and we run inside the gym to start building up our endurance, <clears throat> excuse me, start building up our endurance. And so I had never run before in my life. And so I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. And a couple of other people did as well. And so that's what we did. We began meeting up there at the, at the gym and we would run. And um, this particular young man would actually run kind of alongside me and we would talk and get to know each other. And before long, um, uh, I would see him around campus and, and he had some friends. And so we, be, I began hanging out with him and his friends. And, and then before long, um, he asked me out on a date. And so we went on our first date. It was in February and, um, he, we went, we went on our first date and it, I still remember it today. We went across the street to the movie theater, which is no longer there, unfortunately, but we went to see the movie It's called the witness by Harrison Ford and Harrison Ford was in it. It was a great movie. And then, um, a really sweet love story as it turned out. And then we of course got ice cream at Swenson's, which is no longer there either, unfortunately, but it was a great little ice cream place that a lot of college students went to. And then, um, when he took me home and, um, took me up to the, took me to the door of my dormitory, which was Belt Dorm. Um, I, I stayed in Belt Dorm my freshman year. And uh, he gave me uh, my first kiss goodnight. Um, he gave me a kiss goodnight. And I knew with that kiss and the time that we had spent together that something was different about this guy, that I really liked this guy. And so after that, we, be we began dating more and more. And then... Um, Within a few months, I knew without a doubt that this would be the young man that I would marry. I knew I had found that type of love that I had always looked for in that point. He really, truly met 
I would, I thought at that time, all the criteria <laughs> that was in my love poem, patient and kind. He wasn't boastful or proud. He didn't dishonor others. He was not easily angered. Um, he was just a really great guy and I, I fell in love with him. So throughout college and then I went on to graduate school and he began working. We dated for the next seven years. And then uh, when, after those seven years, he was going on family vacations with me, with my family at this point, and staying, of course, in the guest room. But he would be on these family vacations. And this particular summer, we went on this vacation, and he had hired an airplane to fly by. You know, the ones that fly by while you're sitting on the beach that have the advertisement fly in behind it. He had hired one of those planes to fly by with a banner behind it that said, Sharon, will you marry me? I love you, Dean. And so right there on the beach, my entire family was out there. My grandparents, my aunts and uncles, I had not even noticed that they had their video cameras ready to go. They had all their cameras ready and they all knew about it. He, he had asked my dad permission to ask me to marry him. Uh, my whole family knew it. And right there on the beach, when the airplane flew by with the banner, he had the ring there and uh, asked me to marry him. Now, this was a really good love story. Uh, Dean and I did get married. Of course, if you know Dean and I, you know that we've been married um, as of this September, 30 years. And so we dated seven years. We've been married 30 years. And we have had a really, really good love story. But the greatest love story is still to come. Because after we were married, um, uh, we began going to church at Weddington United Methodist Church. And before long, uh, we were introduced to what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ. And I talked more about this in the first episode of the Main New Ministry podcast. But we were introduced to what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ and how to study the Bible. We both gave our lives to Christ and we became Christians after we were married. And we began actually studying the Bible because you see, I had never actually studied the Bible. I had never even read the Bible, quite frankly. I had been given several Bibles, but I had never read it. I never opened it. I had never been encouraged to do that. And so I began, after I became a Christian, I began studying the Bible and reading the Bible with our covenant group and on my own. And one day, as I was studying and reading, I came across 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And when I began reading those verses, there was my poem. I could not believe it. There was love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. My entire poem was right there in the Bible. What was it doing there in the Bible? That was my point. I had never told anybody about it. I still had my little wall plaque that I had taken away to college, but I had never told anybody about this very special point. And there it was right there in front of me in the Bible. I couldn't believe it. And so I sat there for a minute and I was like, well, wait a minute. Was God speaking to me all those years ago before I ever knew him? God loved me and he was teaching me about his love because you see, I had often felt a little overlooked. I had felt at times rejected and unloved, but God and his love for me was reaching me through that poem and telling me, sweet girl, this is what love is. 
Love is patient and kind. It is not easily angered. It is not rude or arrogant. It will always protect you. It, you can always trust it. It will give you hope and it will always persevere. He had been speaking that into my life before I could ever do one good thing for him. Before I could ever serve in a homeless shelter or at Charlotte Rescue Mission, um, before I could ever go on one mission trip and take his word to other people, he loved me before I ever knew him. That, my friends, is the greatest love story ever told. And as I continue to study God's word, and I encourage you, please crack open your Bible. <laughs> please crack open your Bible and read your Bible. If you start in the New Testament, as you become uh, more educated and drawn to God's Word, then study the Old Testament as well, because it all points to the same thing. And that is that God so loved us that He gave us His one and only Son. In fact, in 1 John 4 you will find this incredible section of scriptures about God's love for us. It's throughout the whole Bible, of course. But in 1 John 4, if you have your Bible close by, open it up and read along with me. In 1 John chapter 4, we read, um, starting in verse 9, um, this is where I'm going to start, but you read the entire thing if you can. Okay, but read along with me right now where it says in verse nine, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, friends, if you don't know God yet, that's okay, because He already knows you, and He already loves you. What's funny about this, too, is that later on, after Dean and I began dating, and we were talking about how we how we met and everything in that PE class, Dean actually shared with me that it was him at that basketball game back in October of our freshman year, it was him that had been the one sitting behind me, the young man who kept asking me to see the roster. And it was him who noticed my keychain sitting beside me that had my name on it. He had noticed my name and he had remembered my name. And he, he told me that from October to January, when we were on campus and we were in the cafeteria or somewhere around campus, and if he spotted me somewhere, he may walk up beside me, not in a creepy way, and he would maybe say hey to me, or he might just stand close by and waiting for that perfect opportunity to introduce himself and trying to get up the nerve to do that. And he, uh, some of his friends even told me that in the cafeteria, when he would see me, he would tell his friends, hey, see that girl over there? that one, that's the one I'm going to marry. And they would laugh at him and they would tease him and they would say, there's no way, no way you're going to marry her. You're not going to even ever date her. There's no way you're going to date her. And he would say, yes, I am. I will date her and I will marry her. She's the one that I'm going to marry. And never having talked to me, never having introduced himself to me at that point. And so uh, in January, when he walked into that classroom, that's how he knew my name. He had remembered it from my keychain back in October. And 
where that is a really good love story, I go back to the fact that God saw me when I was a little girl. And he knew that I needed to know what the real meaning of love was. And that I needed to know, I needed to have a good definition uh, and a good example of love. And he began gave he began giving it to me. He talked to me. He came up beside me. He knew my name even before I ever knew him. And I'm telling you what, today, if you are feeling lost or overlooked or outcast, I'm here to tell you that God sees you and he knows your name and he loves you. He loves you so much that over 2,000 years ago, he gave up his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for you and for your sins. And nothing can ever separate you from that love. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, see, this is why we study our Bibles. So we know these facts and these truths. In Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are confident, excuse me, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Look, friends, we can overcome anything through him who loved us. For I am convinced, convinced now, convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Not even you not knowing Him. Not even you not loving Him he still loves you. And he willingly and joyfully went to the cross for you and for me. And you have been forgiven and set free. You've been made new through Christ and through God's love for you. Friends, I hope this um, finds you uh, finds you um, looking for love today. If you are looking for love, if you have felt unloved or overlooked or outcast in any way, I hope this reminds you or tells you for the first time, if nobody's ever told you how much God loves you, know it today. Know that anybody out there, no matter their past, their present, or their future, that their sins have been forgiven and that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever may believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is the greatest love story ever told. In Jesus' name, amen.